and I am with Hamad Zaidi. Hey, Hamad, how are you doing today? I'm well, Jonathan. How are you? Not bad. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you again, and here we are, yet another episode. Yeah, it should be fun. I think this is number four. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is, actually. And, uh, you know, I think the, the audience that heard the last episode, they, they heard you're a little bit of a fan of music. Uh, I think that's a safe thing to, to say. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Music has always been my love. So this story is about when I bought Julian Lennon's album, Villette, in 1984. Mm. When Villette came out, Julian's album, I fell in love with the album. And I thought, you know what? Not only am I going to meet that guy, I'm going to become his friend. <laughs> right. Nice. And of course, for a, uh, you know, a slightly disabled Pakistani kid growing up in Kansas to say something <laughs> as crazy as that, um, you know, it was nearly impossible. Right. So I used to say it. I used to visualize it. I used to think about what I would talk about with Jules when we had lunch, where we would hang out, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, people close to me were like, dude, you're, you're kind of insane, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is never going to happen. So, okay, that was 1984. Flash forward to 2007. Mm. I'm back in Kansas for a funeral for a woman that I spent my entire life calling grandma. She was actually my aunt's mother, mm. but we called her grandma out mm. of respect and love. So we used to, she lived in Fredonia, Kansas, in the middle of nowhere. And we used to visit her 88-acre farm, drive the tractors, do all that. They nice. always treated, they treated me and my sisters just like we were their grandkids. So we, we loved them to death. So in 2007, when Grandma passed, I was back in Kansas to, um, to go to the funeral. After the funeral... I'm crying. I'm with my sister and my mom, and we're, we're crying all the way back to the hotel because I really loved Grandma. When we get back to the hotel, the lady behind the desk, you know, behind the, uh, the check-in desk. Yeah, yeah. She looks at me angrily, and she's like, are you Hammond? And I'm like... <laughs> Hammond. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm Hamad. And she goes, we've got like six messages for you. And you need to take care of these because I don't want these people to keep calling. And she gave me the message, and it was from my office back in Los Angeles. And the message was, call us right now, Julian Lennon. Oh, right? man. And so I hadn't even thought of Julian in, in years outside of the fact that I always loved his music. Right? Yeah. So I got on the phone, and I called – well, I got on the hotel phone, and I called the um, – my office back in L.A., and my, my office manager told me, he goes, hey, man, Julian Lennon is considering Lonely Seal to release his movie. Man. <laughs> and so first I thought they're just teasing me because we did that a lot. And I'm like, no, 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 don't do this. I just came back from my grandmother's funeral. I don't want to hear this. Yeah, yeah, it's we're, not, we're not like, funny, man. <laughs> yeah, like, dude, we're not kidding. You know, you need a call. So what happened is Julian Lennon had this beautiful documentary called Whale Dreamers, mm. and he, he put it together. He didn't direct it. His good friend Kim Kindersley directed it, but Julian produced it, Julian created the music, and he narrated it. Mm. So 
the movie was already done, and they were looking for the right company to, to take it out around the world and sell it. So I was told that in two, three weeks' time, Julian would come to my office in Cannes, you know, during the film festival. Yeah. And he would decide if he wanted to work with me or not. And so what happened is we get to Cannes. I'm, I'm never nervous, Jonathan. I'm, like, almost never nervous because I'm not starstruck. Yeah, yeah. I, I love meeting people, but I don't believe in autographs. I don't even like autographs, right? So um, I get to Cannes. I'm waiting on him showing up, and all of a sudden, around the corner, I see what looks like John Lennon because he looked exactly like his dad. Man, right? yeah. And he's with his producers and, and I think a couple of security people. And he comes up to me and he looks at me and he shakes my hand and he's like, hi, I'm Julian. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and I take his hand and he goes, can we talk? So we all went to lunch. We talked. And literally during lunch, he suddenly decided that it felt good and he wanted me to represent his, his movie. Man. So, but that's not the end of the story. I've got to share one more beautiful part of this. Well, but before, before you do, though, what's hilarious with this, and, and you know, uh, people will realize this as they hear more of your stories, though. You said at the beginning of this, like, I always imagined we'd be going out to lunch and hanging out. And, you know, here's where we'd go out to lunch. Like, boom, right away, he walks in. You're at, you know, the Cannes Festival. And what do you know? You're going out to lunch with Julian, Len uh, Julian Lennon. I mean, <laughs> that, yeah. that's pretty awesome. <laughs> you know what? It's pretty awesome. And I got to tell you, before I, before I go on with the story, I still know him. He's an awesome guy. And he is a phenomenal, phenomenal photographer. Mm. He's a brilliant, brilliant songwriter and singer, of course. But his photography is off the charts. It no is beautiful, you know? Yeah, yeah. And he's a beautiful friend. I'm honored to call him a friend. He really is a wonderful guy. But um, can I share one more thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we decide that we need to throw a party for Julian at Cannes. And, and this is the best part of the story. So we can't do it alone because nothing gets done alone. So there was a company called... HollywoodToday.com, the owner of that company, was a dear friend of Julian, still is. He got involved. My company, Lonely Seal, got involved. And then we wanted to do it as a, um, as a donation situation for Greenpeace. Mm. This all came together in three days. Man. So, so you're saying, like, I, I, at first I was thinking, okay, yeah, you put a party together for the next Cannes Festival. You're saying right there, you met him, you had lunch, you're like, hey, let's put together this party. Yeah, no, we had lunch maybe on a, I can't remember, I think we had lunch on a Saturday and the party was the next Saturday. Man, no kidding. Or, you know, uh, or the party was midweek. It wasn't, I don't think it was a full week away, but what happened is he agreed to do a midnight set. And if you know anything about his career, he, he um, doesn't play live a lot. It's a, a real treat to get him to perform live. No kidding. And so he hadn't performed live in, in a decade. Wow. And, and he, he decided to do it at this party. We were told that we could invite 300 people, right? Yeah. So we invited 300 people. The same night of that party, 
Um, the Ocean's 13 party, you know, the George Clooney movie? Yeah. The Ocean's 13 party was happening on a yacht. But, of course, you know, Warner Brothers invited a thousand people. Oh, man. But, I, 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 a, I might know where this is going. <laughs> but, a, but a yacht doesn't hold a thousand people. Right. So, so as our party got started, what wound up happening is uh, the fire marshal shut down or shut off entrance onto the yacht for Ocean's 13. Mm. And word got out that Julian was going to play a midnight set at our party. <laughs> oh, man. So we wound up getting, and I still remember the number to the T, 1,643 people. Oh, at that my party. goodness. That's insane. <laughs> it was incredible. You know, it was unbelievable. And I'll tell you the best part about it is I sat there watching Julian Lennon play a midnight set honoring his documentary that my company had the privilege and the honor to distribute. Mm. Right? Mm. All I could think about is cutting Mrs. Graves' lawn in 1984, thinking that someday I would lunch with this person. That, that's, that's, that's crazy. Now, now, was Julian Lennon, like, was he, I mean, I'd imagine he wasn't, but was he mad, like, hey, we're only supposed to have 300, and, like, there's over, like, you know, almost 2,000 people here now. Was oh, are you kidding? It was, to this day, and, and, you know, it was one of the best parties at the Cannes Film Festival that year. I'd say... The Ocean's 13 party, our party, and maybe one or two more were the ones that were remembered. Yeah. There's a general theme here. There's a general theme here, Jonathan, and that is things kind of work out for me. However, they don't work out for me anywhere around the time that I want them to. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, nev it's never on your time. <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, that, I can't imagine. Like, like you said, it, it's, it's kind of funny that you you acknowledge that like while he was playing or whatever you were like man you know 20 some odd years ago i remember mowing her lawn buying his album thinking i'm gonna meet this guy someday and it, it was it was actually like five times more than that because you're just like oh i'm gonna meet this guy hang out with him be friends with him but it was even a step further where he hired you to distribute his documentary like there's all these other things you never considered that came to pass no, no, and you know what the thing is? The one thing that I'll tell you about that whole situation is I can't speak for him, but the day I met Julian, I immediately thought, you know what? I'm going to know this guy for the rest of my life. Mm, mm. You, you know, there's kind of like when, when you and I first started talking. I know that you and I will have, be having these discussions when we're in our 70s and 80s. Oh, totally. Know, you know? Yeah. Kind of weird because when I met him, I, I just thought, Jesus, you know, he's not just a guy I wanted to meet. He's a friend. Right. And and I can keep in touch with him. And I have. And he has. So it's, uh, it's a wonderful thing. But I, I got to share that the point of me sharing this story is just to tell everybody out there the things that you want in your life, they're all out there for you to get. Right. All of them. Every single thing you want is out there. It's just a matter of how to approach it and how long do you want to wait to get it. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, sometimes, you know, uh, patience is one of the most important things. Like you said, you were hoping to have it by 28, certain things by 28, but here you are two decades later. Now you're kind of seeing some, you know, those things come to pass now. So, you know, can you wait 20 years for a certain thing you want? Time will tell, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and the other beautiful thing that I wanted to share about this whole uh, story is, you know, if you're just a good person and you spend every day being a good person and being kind to others and just treating your life like it's a, a good and pure thing, then good things happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And they kind of always do. And again, I'll say again, they don't happen when you want them to. They never do. But well, I think in the darkest moments when things are going completely backwards is when you need to remember that just being a good person and taking a step forward every single day is what's going to get you to where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. And and what I love about your stories too, like you've kind of said this, it's like nothing, nothing is out of grasp. But like you said, it's right in front of you. And, and how bad do you want it? Like... Do you want it bad yeah. enough to where you wait 20 years? Do you want it bad enough to where you'll do whatever it takes to, to accomplish it? I mean, that that's really what everything boils down to. Like, it's it's your drive and, and dedication and, and uh, you know, the, how bad you really want it. Yeah, it, it, it really is. And, you know, as you were saying that, Jonathan, I just thought of one more quick moment about yeah. the Julie story. Can I share it? Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. So there's a picture... <laughs> Uh, that uh, we'll find a way to, to put up somewhere for people to see. There's a photograph. At the party, there was a double-sided mirror, okay? Mm. Uh, like a wall-sized double-sided mirror. And I stood on the corner of that mirror. And because of that, it projected my right side twice. Huh, that's interesting. There's only two pictures that I have that show me not being disabled. Yeah, yeah. Right? One, as a child with my mother before my accident happened. And the other one was me standing in the mirror at Julian's party, right? Hmm. Because I look completely healthy because both my good side is projected on both sides of my body. Right, right. And... What's interesting about that, and I'll, I'll, I'll wind up this podcast on this thought. I stood in the mirror looking at both sides of my body looking completely normal. And I realized, again, because I'd done this before, but I realized that, you know what? I don't mind being disabled. Yeah. I don't, I don't look at my image of two right sides and say, I wish I were that guy in the mirror. Mm. I really didn't. Mm. You know, I looked at that image in the mirror and I thought, you know what? So that's what I would look like if I'm not disabled. But that's not how I look like. Yeah. And I was fine, and I was fine with it. And it was another uh, moment to remember for me personally because it just reinforced that I'm totally okay with who I am. That's pretty awesome. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, you know what? I, I think uh, you're right on that. You hit, the, you hit the nail on the head where, you know, and like you said before, everyone probably has a disability to some extent, but I think the people that, I don't know if you'd use the word overcome, but you, people that overcome those situations are probably the people that have reached, that reached the pinnacle that you did. Like, so what? I, you know, if I'm, I'm, I'm this way, I don't care. I'll, I'll deal with it and do what I have to do. And those people that finally decide that instead of living the past or living, living in the what if this happened, they, they can't move on. But the people that accept whatever, you know, whatever situation for what it is and move forward, those are the ones that can overcome. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just remember, I was still blown away when you told me that you couldn't see. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because we, we had been talking for like, I don't know, a week or two. And and then finally, I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm blind. And you're kind of like, what? <laughs> <laughs> for, those, for those listening, he told me he was blind um, while I was hiring Jonathan to do a lot of like online website work for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're like... You're like, okay, I'll do all of this stuff for your websites and I'll, I'll help you on online marketing and do all this wonderful stuff, which you're amazing at. By the way, did I tell you I'm blind? I'm like, what? <laughs> so it's really cool. It's really cool. Yeah, no. I'm, really glad, I'm really glad we got this story out. I think it's an important one to, to tell people that you know, you can never really give up on your dreams. You never can. Yeah. I, and I, I guess I'll interject one more thing, though, that's funny about this story is I, I don't want to say it's not that you gave up, but like you said, I, I hadn't thought about it for maybe a few years or whatever. And it, it's, again, it's not on your time, but just timing in general where it's almost like it wasn't even in your forefront of thinking and then boom, it, it just landed on your lap. Yeah, that's true. That's 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 why I say I have a Forrest Gump life. <laughs> <laughs> I find a way to limp into some really cool situations. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, no, that, like I said, it, it's exciting just to hear, you know, hear how it all unfolded. And I mean, like, just from what you said, Julian Lennon sounds like he's a pretty down to earth guy considering, you know, his background, which is awesome. Because it seems to me, not that I've met very, like, famous people like that, but it seems that it can be kind of hit or miss. There's those people that feel like the world owes them everything when they're famous. And then there's those people that are just like totally down to earth and just like, Hey, I'm, I'm a normal guy. Just like you. I will tell you, he's one of the most down to earth human beings. I know regardless of if he's a celebrity or not, yeah. he is in incredibly humble and down to earth. That's cool. That's awesome to hear. I, I love it when it turns out that way for, you know, people that have been successful in their lives like that. So uh, that's awesome. So yeah, I guess I guess we're wrapping things up here, Hamon. So like, how can how can people get a hold of you and 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 stuff like that? Well, they can get a hold of me uh, via email at hamad at hamadzadi.com. and of course they can. They're probably downloading this on iTunes. So if you enjoyed Limping on Cloud Nine, this episode or any of the other episodes, please leave us a very positive review because <laughs> yeah. we're trying to get the, we're trying to get the word out. Absolutely. Yeah, and every review is helpful, and, uh, you know, yeah, hit up Hamad, he's a really, uh, I, I love that he used this word, I think in the first episode, he's very accessible, so if you, if you email him, he'll, he'll get back to you. <laughs> no, I will, I will. Anyone that emails me will get a response within 24 hours, and it's my response, I promise. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah, so again, uh, Hamad, thanks for coming on, it's always uh, an awesome episode, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Absolutely, Jonathan. Thank you again for your time, and everyone, have a wonderful day. Everyone, thank you for listening and downloading. Don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. It would be greatly appreciated. Tweet it. Let people know about the episode, the podcast on Facebook, and uh, we'll talk to you next episode. See ya. Take care.